When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Astros Baseball. It's Monday, February the 18th. I'm your host, Rob Fontenot. In this episode, we're going to go over some Astros news, and then we're going to talk about the uh, arbitration, team control type stuff. Uh, Me and Mark talk about it a lot via text messages, and uh, to me, it's really interesting. I don't know everything there is to know about it, so that made me want to investigate it. I love finding new information. And uh, so whatever I found, I'll share it with you today on the show. And the last segment, there's been a question. The uh, Players Association leader is accusing teams of tanking. And Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, said that they aren't. So this led me to go back and investigate. So I'm going to share with you the things that I found. I don't think I came up with a uh, definite answer, but whatever I came up with, I'm going to share that with you also. And uh, I'll, I'll remind you at the end of the podcast, but don't forget, if you want to win that Jose Altuve Funko Pop action figure, you have to reach out to me. Either text message 210-919-1695 or on Twitter at Astros Podcast or at Rob Fontenot. So if you want, I've only got three so far and there's 10 days left. So if you want to get your name entered to win the Jose Altuve Funko Pop big headed little action figure, you got you to gotta let me know. So anyway, we're going to get to all of this stuff right after this. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about was Alex Bregman. You know that he had arthroscopic surgery a month ago, and that was to remove bone chips in his arm. Uh, He was already hitting in a cage on Saturday. He was fielding ground balls. Um, He wasn't throwing it early on Saturday, but I think later on in the day, he actually progressed to throwing the ball 90 feet. Not sure uh, what happened today because I've been gone all day, but he said overall it was a really good day, and this was Saturday, I believe. He said next week, which is, I guess, this week, he will be doing different stuff. So now I want to move up or move on to Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa dealt with a back injury last year. We all know this. He had a 239 batting average, 15 home runs, and 65 RBIs. And this is our cleanup guy. He missed 36 games. When he came back off the uh, injured list, he only hit 180. 
And that was in 133 at-bats. So we all remember. We all remember what happened. He's our cleanup hitter. He's in the four hole, and he's not producing at all. And all the fans, including myself, we need him in the, in the field. He's an awesome shortstop, but he just couldn't hit. His back was hurting too much. So we were all pleading to A.J. Hinch to move him down. And eventually he got moved down to the seven hole. So this season, Correa has been doing yoga to stay flexible. And he's also been doing back strengthening exercises. So he said he learned his, la- he learned his lesson in spring training last year. I believe he said that he went too hard. So he's learned a lesson. So that's why he's doing the yoga. That's why he's doing the strengthening exercise. And I don't think he's going to go as hard. So thinking about how bad he was last year because of the back injury, let's remember how good Carlos Correa was. I've said this before. A 100% healthy Carlos Correa, my expectations, 270 to 280 batting average, 35 to 40 homers, 100 RBIs. That's what I expect from a 100% fully healthy Carlos Correa. 2017, Carlos Correa was the starting shortstop in the All-Star game. In our playoff run to the 2017 World Series, he hit five home runs in the playoffs. I think some of us might have forgot how good Carlos Correa is. So hopefully what he's doing now works. He said he's 100%. So hopefully no excuses. Get it done. He's going to be in the four hole. I have confidence in him. He's one of the best players in baseball. Let's see what happens. So now let's talk about Colin McHugh. He's back in the rotation. So he, Colin McHugh was in the rotation for the Astros from 2014 to 2017. In 2015, he won 19 games. If you remember, he was the one-two punch. He was the number two guy. He was part of the one-two punch with Dallas Keuchel when Dallas Keuchel was our ace. So in those seasons, 102 starts, 48-28 and 28 record, which isn't that bad, 370 ERA, 567 strikeouts. Very capable starter. I'm going to miss him being in the pen, but... A very good starter. So the Astros picked up Colin McHugh off of waivers in 2014. Think about how good. Think about what Colin McHugh contributed to the Astros in the bad years. Think about what he contributed last year in the pen. Think about everything he's done. The Astros picked him up off of waivers. The New York Mets, I believe it was the Mets, I didn't look this up, but they put him on waivers and the Astros took him. That means the Mets were so done with him that they've given up on him so bad 
that they didn't even get anything for them. They didn't get anything. They didn't want anything. They threw them to the side like a bag of garbage. So last year, he was good enough to be a starter. He was just the last man out. So he ended up being in the bullpen. And like I said, he was awesome. I don't, I don't want to lose him out of the bullpen. But he's going to start. He is a starter. I, I, I guarantee if you asked him which one would you rather do, he would rather start. So when they were interviewing him the other day, I think it might have been Saturday, they asked him if he was thinking about re-signing with the Astros. He said, I love the Astros. They resurrected my career. That's what he said when they asked him about being a free agent. So not only is Justin Verlander and uh, Garrett Cole free agents, so is Colin McHugh. He said he doesn't want to look beyond the season, so I don't know what that means. Why can't you just say yes? But he said, Houston has been his home for six years. He has nothing but respect and admiration for the organization. And he said, we will see what happens next year. So definitely, he'll be a free agent next season. And if if he does good, let's say he has a good season, he's definitely going to be cheaper than Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. So let's say we do keep him at a fairly good price. Let's say Whitley gets called up in June, and he turns out to be the beast that everybody thinks he is. And Lance McCullers Jr. comes back from Tommy John surgery better than ever. Who knows? You're going to have Whitley, Lance McCullers Jr., Colin McHugh, and Josh James. There's four of them, and you might have a free agent. Or who knows? Who knows who else is going to come up and make their presence known or make their presence felt in the rotation. So it's a possibility. If Colin McHugh has a good year, maybe he can stick with the team. And a lot, I think a lot of it depends on how Whitley does this season. All right. Anyway, let's move on to the next subject. Okay, so before I talk about arbitration, rookie contract, all that stuff, uh, you remember when Dallas Keuchel turned down the $17.9 million qualifying offer from the Astros, and he's yet to be signed. I think once Harper and Machado go, he's going to sign quick. But he still doesn't have a job. So last year... Mike Moustakas turned down a $17.4 million qualifying offer from the Royals. And he tested free agency. He couldn't find anything. Spring training had already started, and he signed with them for $6.5 million. He made $11 million less testing the free agent market instead of taking that qualifying offer. So I was curious, is that going to happen to Dallas Keuchel? So yesterday, Mike Moustakas, I think Moustakas is good. If we didn't have Alex Bregman, you know, maybe we could go get him. But we don't. But he tested free agency again. Same thing as last year. Spring training starting. He hasn't signed yet. He signs another one-year deal with Milwaukee. 
So Kansas City traded him to Milwaukee halfway through the year. So he's already familiar with them. But they only wanted him for one year. Maybe it's because Travis Shaw's their third baseman. They have to move him to second. But anyway, he's going back to Milwaukee. He signed for, for $10 million. One-year deal, $10 million. That is $16.5 million in two seasons. He turned down a $17.4 million qualifying offer. So not only did he lose $11 million, he could have made more on that qualifying offer than he did combining last year and this year's salaries. So something like that. Could that happen to Dallas Keuchel? I believe, if my memory is correct, last year the Astros paid him like $13 million, and I think the guy wants about twenty. I think maybe he's going to get 15, 12 to 15, maybe 17 at the high. But if he did come to the Astros, if he did come back, which sometimes it's being rumored, people are talking about it, how much would we pay him? Would it have to be more than 13? Would the Astros have the upper hand? Is anyone else going to pay him 13? I don't know. I think he's worth it. He's the best pitcher left. But he still hasn't signed yet. One thing that hurts their bargaining is, like for Mustakas, that you offer him the qualifying offer and the team that signs him, if they turn it down, they get a draft pick. So not only do these people have to sign Dallas Keuchel, but they have to be willing to give up a draft pick to get him. But he's still out there. But I truly believe he's out there because those other two guys haven't signed yet. Okay, so let's move on to the topic of arbitration. Me and Mark, such a long discussion about it. Neither one of us experts. Here's what I found. I'm going to share it with you. So when a player's drafted, they sign a contract with a team. Depending on how good you are, you get a, depending on where you get drafted, you get a signing bonus. We'll get to that later. But... I've heard the term before, rookie contract, but I never really thought about what it was. I would think it was just the contract you had your first year. But your rookie contract is actually that very first contract that you sign, and it's six or seven years. So going back, a player is under control for six years. Team control, six years. The first three years, the team determines the player's salaries and it's usually the league minimum. And then they, they either add a little bit to it, they might all have their own strategies, or they just keep paying the minimum. After three years, the player can go to arbitration. And they are, what they do is, like I said before, they say, this is what I want, and the team says, this is what I'm going to pay you, And sometimes they'll meet in the middle and they'll agree with it. And if they don't, they go to arbitration, the lawyer. And another thing I learned yesterday in my research is there's no middle ground. There's no in-between. If you want 10 and they want to pay you 6, you either get 6 or you get 10. He doesn't... doesn't Average it or say, well, I think you're both right. You're going to get one or the other. So Garrett Cole went at 13. The Astros wanted to pay him 11. 
I thought he could go in there and say, okay, we're going to give you 12. But no. So what happened? I guess I guess the owner and the player both know what they're worth. Because Correa, I think he was 700000 off. If I'm... If I can remember that correctly, so I think they both have a, an, a, a they, I think they both have an idea of what their salary should be, but let but let's say Correa wanted, but I guess you couldn't go too high. Let's say Correa wanted ten million, and they said he's worth four. Well, Correa would would have lost. He would have lost unless they thought he's worth ten. Because you're going to get ten, or you're going to get four. So I guess usually they're always going to be close, but I just thought, I didn't know that. I didn't know that there wasn't a middle ground. It's one or the other. It's whatever you want or whatever they want to give you. So another thing that we've talked about is if you call someone up, I can't remember the first number. I think it was only like three weeks and you gain another year. But if you wait till June, if you wait 60 days, you... you uh, you own another year of arbitration. And this is going to come up later. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. So, one, one thing I came across that I didn't even know, I, did, I guess I thought about it before, but I never really looked it up, and I found this out on accident. It was something I was curious about before, but I didn't know, and I wasn't curious enough about it to look it up. But... I always wondered what happens to players that get drafted and they never make or the team never calls them up. So a team has five years to call you up. You can be in the system for five years. They don't call you up. You're a free agent. There's also some super two stuff like that, but I'll have to read into that a little more. So anyway, with now what's happening with all this new analytics the players' values are going down at age 30. So one thing that needs to be addressed at the next collective bargaining, in my mind, is the players need to be paid when they're younger. If the way things are now, people can't get paid what they deserve when they're 30, well, let's say the guy doesn't deserve. This guy doesn't deserve $25 million a year when he's 30. He deserved it when he was 23, but they're not getting paid when they're 23. So you're underpaying these guys. Like Alex Bregman was an MVP MVP candidate, and he's making the league minimum probably, maybe a little bit over that. But he deserves to be making 10 or 12, 15 million. But the way things are, he doesn't. He gets paid a little bit. And you're under control for seven years. Let's say you go to college you get you join you you get out you get drafted at age 22 you're in the minor leagues for 2 years that's 24 you're under team control for 7 you're 31 years old and you've given that team everything you've had but you're not going to get paid when you're 31 now because teams aren't doing it so that's something they need to talk about in my mind in my opinion these guys should get paid earlier But this is something that they agreed on. Collective bargaining agreement. This thing with getting called up in June. Like Colin McHugh was talking about Vlad Guerrero and how they were going to call him up in June. 
So he, the Toronto Blue Jays, this guy's a beast. There's no way he shouldn't be on the roster. But they are, they said we're not. He's not got, getting called up until June. And Colin McHugh said that the teams aren't even disguising the fact that they're not going to call people up. I'm surprised he didn't call the Astros out because may, I guess it might be a little different. Forrest Whitley's not a shoe-in, but you know he is. You know they're waiting for June. They're waiting for him to get that extra year. But this is something they agreed to, and I think it's 2021. This is something they need to talk about. So I can't remember the guy's name, but it was someone from the Cardinals, and he said he wouldn't be surprised if they had a strike this year, walking out in the middle of the season. Okay, so you have your guys. League minimum, three years, or whatever. You can pay, They can pay them $10 million if they want. It's up to the, the team, whatever they want to pay them. So let's say, and this is another thing I found out that I didn't look up, what happens if, let's say we have Alex Bregman, which this isn't going to happen. He gets minimum, minimum, minimum. Arbitration, we give him $10 million. The next year he's in arbitration and we decide we don't want to pay him. It's called non-tendering them. So if you don't want to pay these guys what they want in arbitration... That's called non-tendering them, and they become a free agent. I didn't know that. I've heard. That's what they did to that Chris Herman guy. Remember when they signed that catcher, but they didn't give him a contract, and then he was gone? And I can't remember where he went, but they non-tendered him. I remember seeing that, but I never thought about looking it up. So one thing I want to do is I'm going to look at George Springer and Carlos Correa. Look at their... Look at their lives. So George Springer signed in 2011 a $2.5 million signing bonus. Carlos Correa, 2012, he got a $4.8 million signing bonus. So he did make 330, 516, and 535. And you feel like he's worth more. But you look up there, he made almost $5 million signing bonus. So the guy's not broke. So let's go to George Springer. There, I don't really remember this happening, but they, I, I, it might have been around the time they did the Singleton deal. If you remember, they offered Singleton a 10-year deal at a million dollars a season, and a lot of people thought he was dumb, and a lot of people thought he was smart. And it ended up turning out to be a good deal for him because he sucked. But they offered George Springer seven-year $23 million contract. It's kind of coming back to me that this happened. So they offered him a seven-year, $23 million contract. So that's approximately $3 million a year instead of making $400,000, instead of making $500,000. So let's look at that. Let's look at if he would have taken that. But first, what happened is he turned it down so... What happened is, like I said, they wait till June to call these guys up to get another year. So what happened is he, they wanted him to be on the roster that year. They wanted him to be on the 25-man roster, but they wanted him to accept that deal. 
is a shady deal by the Astros. Take this deal and you'll be on the big league squad. If you turn it down, you'll be in the minor leagues. You're only going to be playing for the Astros if you accept this deal. But he turned it down. I'll go back to the minor leagues and I'll take my chances that I can earn more with my ability. So what his, what his agent did was he was threatening to file a grievance. And I don't know if the Astros just didn't want this to get out too much, but they ended up calling George Springer up on April the 17th. So that one year of arbitration that they were trying to get with him, they lost it. All because they tried to lowball him with that $23 million offer. So what would have happened? So he made 450 k his first season instead of $3 million. Then he made 512 and then he made 522 So after three years, he made $1.48 million, not including his signing bonus. And if he would have taken that deal, he would have made $9 million. So in the short, the short run, if that's even a, uh, something to say, he was $1.48 million is what he actually made. But he could have made nine. But in 2017, which could have been an arbitration year, but they did that shady deal with him and they ended up calling him up early because of it, he got $3.9 million his first year in arbitration. And that put him at 5.38. But if he would have took the deal, he'd have made 12. Then last year he made 12, which put him at 17. And if he would have taken the deal, he'd have been 15. So it took him five years. It took him five years to catch up with what they offered him. So he could have been making $3 million a year, but he was making 500000 And this year he makes 12. And that puts him at 29 instead of making 18. So he made an $11 million decision on the positive side. So Carlos Correa, on the other hand, he got called up late. He got called up June the 7th. So he made, he made 330000 his first year. Then he made five hundred sixteen, and then he made five thirty-five, And I was thinking when he made a million dollars last season, that that was his arbitration year, but it was actually just what the Astros decided to pay him. They chose to pay him a million dollars. And this was his first year of arbitration where he made five. So he has two more years of arbitration left, and then he's a free agent, I believe. So we got him for three more years, and we got George Springer... For this year and one more, I believe. So that's how that works out. So a pretty interesting story about George Springer and the Astros trying to lowball him. So he ended up getting that extra year of arbitration. So instead of making instead of making another five hundred thousand in two thousand seventeen, he made three point nine. So that's that's how all this works out. And uh, I think it was a little long, but I, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it enlightened you if you had no idea about this. But what I'm trying to say 
is I had fun learning it, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it, and I hope you learned something too. On to the next segment. Okay, so now we're going to discuss whether or not teams are tanking. Right off the bat, you ask me, are teams tanking? Yes, Miami Marlins. They've got rid of four to five All-Stars already. They just got rid of Romudo. Uh, Stanton went to the Yankees. Yelich, they let them him go to the Brewers. MVP, MVPs, All-Stars. They are getting rid of all their players, and they're horrible. But one way to look at it is people or teams are starting to realize that you have to be good and you have to have players coming up to take their places. A lot of teams don't want to sit there and sign a whole roster full of $30 million players. But here, here's my point. Here's, here's what my opinion is. And I put it on Twitter when somebody, somebody brought this up. Teams are good. Unless you're good at keeping your farm system going. You're going to be good, which means you're not going to get draft picks or you're going to spend money on free agents to remain good. And eventually, you won't have any young players coming up of any value because you've traded them all away or you're too good to draft them. And then all the players you have are going to leave for free agency or they're 35, 40 years old and they're not as good as they used to be. Or you could have people like Pujols with your 10-year contracts killing you. But it's just normal. Teams are good, and then they're bad. And I'll have an example of this for you when I talk about what I'm getting ready to tell you. So it's just teams, it happens. Teams are good, then they're bad. They got to rebuild, and then they're good. All right, so let's go to this. So what I did is I went back to 2014 because of something... Manfred said. He said teams aren't tanking. The Players Association said they are. So I went back to 2014. I wanted to go back five years, but I did the math wrong because I counted 2019, which hasn't happened yet. So I went back four years. And this is the first thing I'll point out to you. Four years ago, 2014, do you know who won the American League East? The Baltimore Orioles, 96 wins. They won. I, I don't remember them being good four years ago. So there's my point. The Baltimore Orioles beat the... You know who got last place in 2014 with 71 wins? The Red Sox. Four years ago, the Red Sox finished last and the Orioles finished first. So that shows you... Teams are good, and then they're bad. Was Boston tanking? I don't know. Is Baltimore tanking now? Or do they just have a whole bunch of old guys from back when they were good? That's my opinion. I think that's what happened. So let's go. Let's start with the American League East. I went 2014 versus last year. Total wins for the American League East, 411. Last year, 418. They won seven more games. So is there a balance? Are teams tanking? Or is it the same? That's, that's why I did this. I wanted to compare 
the the win loss records and the teams to the teams today from teams of that year. So then we go to the Central American League Central, four hundred and seven wins last year, three fifty three, fifty four less wins. You've got Minnesota, Detroit, the White Sox, and the Royals, all with losing records. 54 games, 54 less wins than four years ago for the Central. The West, 410, last year 436, a 26-win game. The AL East, I mean the NL East, 404, they dropped 12 to go to 392, but it's still close. I mean, 12 wins, not bad. Uh, the Central, 409. Last year, they won 428. The West, 389, 404. They gained five. So four, I don't know if this proves a point. I'm not sure. Four out of the six divisions won more games total as a division than they did four years ago. So if that... So after I found that out, I'm starting to think maybe they're not. Maybe it's just the way the world is. They're good, and then they're bad. Replenish, then they're good again. Like I said, Baltimore, first place, Boston last. 2018, Boston, 108 wins, Baltimore down to 47. That's almost 50... Less wins in four years. Detroit. Four years ago, the Detroit Tigers won the Central. Four years ago, the Los Angeles Angels won the West. On the other side, it was Washington, St. Louis, and the Dodgers, so the good are staying good. But anyway, so let's move on to this. So are they tanking based on that, or is it just the way the game is? That's what Manfred said. He said, if you look back, and that's why I did it, if you look back at the win-loss records, it's just the way it's always been. So what I did next was I wrote down the total wins of the 10 worst teams in baseball. 2014, the worst team had 64 wins. The worst team last year, 47. I can't do the math real quick on that, but that's about 17. So a 17-win difference between the worst team four years ago and the worst team now. Then it was 66, 58. 67, 61. 70, 63. And 70, 64. So I add up the five worst teams how many wins did they get? 337. The five worst teams from last year, total of 294. So the five worst, this could mean that some teams are just better, but the five worst teams combined for a win total of 42 games less than four years ago. So what this says is, in my opinion, is the worst teams are getting worse. 47 wins for Baltimore after winning 96. 47 wins is the worst team compared to 64. So we'll see what happens. So, 
The next thing I did, I highlighted every team that finished under 500. This is point number three. 15 teams in 2014 finished under 500. 15, that's half. Half the teams four years ago finished under 500. Last year, there were 14 teams. So one less team finished under 500, but it's still pretty close. So according to that, they're not tanking. According to the bottom 10 teams win-loss records, they're tanking. According to the wins by division, with the exception of the Central, AL Central, they're not tanking. So two out of the three findings that I came up with, I don't think they're tanking. Everyone's improving. You have the Central last year. Four of the five teams finished under 500. Four of them. Minnesota won 78. They were pretty close. The West had two, but the Angels were close. They had 80. They were one game away from finishing 500. Toronto was close. You had three really good teams in the AL East. Is that why Baltimore only won 47 games? Is because Tampa Bay, Boston, and New York were so good? 2014, the AL East had four teams with a losing record, although they were all in the high 70s. They were close. It was competitive. Last year they had three, but Philly and the Mets were pretty close. The Central had two guys under 500. Last year only one. So it's, I think everything is the same, but people are doing things different. They saw the Astros unload all their players, build up a farm system. And it's not that the, it's not that the Astros tanked. I think they did, like I said, I almost gave up on them. But look at the blueprint. Look at how the Astros are built now. They won the most games ever in franchise history. 103 games. And look at all the people in their farm system. Their major league team is one of the best three teams in baseball. And they're... Triple A team could probably beat the Baltimore Orioles in a seven-game series. And people see this, and that is the, the, I can't think of what it's called. That is the mold. That is the way to do things. The Astros, perfect situation, the perfect team. That's in my opinion. I know they're my favorite team, but just look at it. Look how good they are. I mean, they're so good, they can't find a place for Tony, for Tony Kemp. Okay, so, reminder again, before we go, Jose Altuve, Pop, Funko Pop figure, three people have entered, 10 days left. Come on, people. At Rob Fontenot on Twitter, at Astros Podcast on Twitter, or text me, 210 919 one six nine five. So our newest entry was Harry Hit, and he also brought up a question that we'll talk about on the next podcast. He was saying real quick that 
the Indians were saying that they were willing to trade Kluber, but they needed a outfielder, MLB-ready type outfielder in the deal, which would be more than likely Tucker. So he asked me, would I trade Tucker for three years of Kluber? Because Kluber's three years left. Would I trade him? Yes. And he said, it, it would be probably Tucker and another person, so who else would they do? How much would you be willing to give up? Something I want you to think about, and you want to share it with me on Twitter. Who would you give up for Corey Kluber? Just think about it. Three years of this guy. This guy is awesome. So he was also wondering if they did make a deal for Kluber, would this entice JV and Garrett Cole to stay? I don't know about that. But it could. Just think of how think how unbeatable we'd be. We'd be kind of like the Indians, but with more offense. He also feels would that make Whitley and Corbin develop quicker, being around those three guys? I think yes. So anyway, those are the questions. Those are things we'll talk about on the next podcast. This one went a little long. Hopefully you're still with me, and hopefully you enjoyed it. But anyway, that is this podcast. Uh, Don't forget, if you want to win that Jose Altuve pop, Funko pop uh, figurine, or whatever you want to call it, don't forget text or Twitter or uh, email. You can call whatever you want. And if you want to be a part of the show, I think the... I know one thing I'll point out before I, I the podcast gets too long, but Anchor has been bought out. Anchor is how I record the podcast, but they've been bought out by Spotify. So I don't know. They said nothing's going to change. I'm still going to be able to do everything the same way, but I'll, I'll see what's going to change on that. The last thing I noticed is I don't think I'm able to record with anybody anymore, so I couldn't do interviews. But so I guess you could hold off until whatever, but you could send in voice memos if you have an iPhone. You can text them to me and I'll play it. You can tell me what you think about the Astros. You can ask questions. Like I said, I'll give you my opinions. I love giving my opinions. I don't know everything, but you know, if you want to hear what I got to say. But anyway, you could download the app and send me a message, but I don't think you can get on there anymore with me. So we'll see what happens with that. So anyway, be on the lookout. Spotify purchased Anchor, so I don't know what's going to happen, but it should stay the same. But anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. Houston Astros baseball. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.